Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad you're with me on this Sunday morning. Hope you had a good week and you're looking forward to even a better week. It's always good to greet you and especially those of you that are here for the first time. Not sure how you heard about us, whether it was off of uh, social media or word of mouth. Whatever, by whatever means you got here, we're glad to have you. This morning, I want to talk about I want to talk about faith. There's a lot of misconceptions about faith, and a lot of us think that we're living in faith when we when we actually are not. So I'm going to draw some distinctions this morning. I want to bring some revelation for illumination. I'm going to do a little separation for clarification. Then we'll do a little unification for cooperation. Can we do that? So we're going to talk about faith this morning. So don't, don't have the mindset that you know everything about faith, that uh, you're living by faith, because we just may mess your thinking up a little bit this morning, and you may discover that you have been living in a place that you thought was faith, but really is not faith. I want to begin over in, in uh, Mark chapter 11, those uh, verses that are very familiar, and because they are, I'm going to read them out of the Passion Translation, just to put a little bit different slant on the scripture that we're going to uh, look at this morning, and then we're going to unwind this. We're going to, we're going to unfold this for you, so don't, don't leave me this morning. If you have to go, make sure you come back and get it, get the rest of the teaching, because this is, very, this is not only foundational, it's revelational. And you're going to hear some things this morning, I think, that may rock your world. I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's begin over in Mark chapter 11. And I want to read verses 22, 23, and 24. And again, this is out of the Passion Translation. If you have a, a piece of paper handy and a pen, I'd suggest you take some notes this morning. Just You'll see as I unwind this why you need to take some notes. All right, here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking, Mark chapter 11. I want to pick it up in verse 22. Jesus replied, and he says this. This is this will blow you away. Let the faith of God be in you. Or what that verse is, what the start of that verse is really saying, or verse, what verse 22 is saying is, you need to have the God kind of faith. So we're going to look at what the God kind of faith is. So let's explore that a little bit. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says, now we're talking about the God kind of faith that Jesus says you need to have in you. If someone says to this mountain, he's not talking about the Appalachian Mountains or the Himalayan Mountains. He's talking about difficulties and problems. He's using a metaphor here. <clears throat> if someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. I want to. I would. I could. I could probably spend all morning right here on this verse, because there's a couple of real important points that he makes. Someone says to the difficulty, with great faith, having no doubt. If there's doubt, what Jesus is saying is it's not faith. Now it might be something else, and we're gonna we're gonna discover what that something else probably is. And a lot of us are still in this something else, and we've not moved into faith. If you say mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason, Jesus said, I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it, past tense, 
and it will be yours. All right, those verses, the, I know when you have a, a charismatic word of faith background, those verses have been the ones that have been kind of the prototype verses that have been used to explain the working of faith. But I contend this morning that faith may be the most misunderstood concept, the most misunderstood truth in all of Scripture. It just might be. Perhaps because religion has put the responsibility of having enough faith to move the mountain. Religion has put the responsibility of having enough faith to manifest. We've put that on, uh, on individual people whether it's to move the mountain of illness or poverty or receiving what you feel the Lord wants you to have, the onus has been put on us to have enough faith. And, and if you don't receive it, then what we have felt like is we don't have enough faith, the faith that our faith is somehow weak, that uh, we've done something wrong or sin is in our life. I mean, I've heard all kinds of explanations why when someone says they're having faith, and it doesn't work out. I've heard all kinds of explanations as to why it didn't work out. But I'll tell you what, what it will lead to. If you put all the pressure on you to have the faith necessary, it will eventually, if it's not manifesting, it will drive you to sin consciousness. It'll drive you to unworthiness, make you feel like you're a failure. And so then you report back to church next week to get another dose of, of how to try to get you out of this failure and this cycle of faith not working. So when I think it, when it comes to living a life of faith, we forget whose faith it is that we're actually operating in. Galatians 2.20 just nails it down so tight. Galatians 2.20 says this, we've been crucified with Christ and the life that we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for us. Now that that's the wording of the King James, that's the wording of the Young's Literal Translation or the Concordant, whatever accurate translation you want to look at. Now, what happened with, with many of the translations, including the New King James, now look, check this out. In going from the King James to the New King James, they changed one preposition. And in doing so, it changed the entire dimension of how we view faith. Again, the King James says, we live, now live by the faith of the Son of God. If you read the New King James, it says, we now live by faith in the Son of God. That puts the onus on you that if you're not having faith, you're not having enough faith in the Son of God, rather than as the King James rightly puts the preposition in there, that we live by the faith of the Son of God. So we put our trust in his faith. The only faith that I need is faith in him, right? He's the one that's going to deliver. He's the one that promised it. And if he promised it, he'll make it happen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that instigates it. He's the one that helps grow it. He's the one that brings it to fruition. Now, what we have done is we have put ourselves in that position of making it happen. And that gets us right back into works. Gets us right back into trying to make it uh come to fruition. And that's not what the scripture teaches about faith. Hebrews chapter 11. All right, now, if you're going to take some notes, begin here. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And let me just get over here and, and pick this up for you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says this. 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Now listen to me. Listen to me very closely. Hope is always futuristic. Faith is always now. Now faith is. It's, it's now, always in the present tense. <clears throat> if you say, well, I have faith that I will uh, get the money by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, that's not faith, that's hope. If you say, well, I, I, I believe that one day I'm going to be walking in fullness of health, that's not faith, that's hope. You're putting it futuristically. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to pull, if it's going to be faith, you've got to pull it out of the future and into the now. Now, <clears throat> this is something I, I bet you've never heard said by anybody. Now, maybe you have. I shouldn't say that. But in reading this and meditating this, I noticed something very uh, interesting <clears throat> Excuse me. in that first verse. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. doesn't say faith is the substance of the things I hope for. Hoped is past tense. When, when faith grabs hold of it, it's not hope. It's what you hope, maybe hoped, had a hope for at one point, but it has moved past having a hope for it to where now faith is the substance of what you once had a hope for, but now it's grasped by faith. So faith is, is not hope. Hope and faith are entirely two different subjects, two different, it's apples and oranges. And yet we have mixed them up so uh, precisely sometimes in our teaching by making us think that if we're hoping for it, we're having faith for it. No, not at all. It might be a hope now, but once faith gets it, it's no longer hope. It's hoped. <laughs> it's past tense. Now faith is the substance. Faith is a substance. Faith is an evidence of what you once had hope for. But you don't have hope for it. Now, the substance and the evidence is now appearing. It's now being grasped in maybe an invisible dimension. But it's no longer in a place of hope. It has been now moved to hoped. Do you see that? Now, let me just take you back to a series I did a while back on you being a creator. This is how faith develops. This is how we move it from hope to faith. Are you listening? This is how we listen. This is how we move from futuristic hope and bring it in to now where it's a substance and it's an evidence. Now it might be in the unseen world and faith is what holds us as already receiving it until it manifests in the natural. Now here's here's a little process. I'm not teaching you a formula. I'm just saying here's here's something you can kind of uh, grab onto as to how faith develops. All right. Everything starts with the thought. And ideally, it's a thought from the mind of Christ. It's a thought that rises up from within you. It's a thought that the Father places within you. Creation starts with a thought. You cannot see it. You cannot see a thought. A thought from the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ may give you a thought saying, uh, I think I could start a business. I think that I really would like to get into this. And it's not just you looking at the business and coming to a conscious decision. You can make a lot of money or be a success. It's something that comes from the Spirit of God down deep within. doesn't matter what other people say or other people are doing. This is a very personal thing. It starts with a thought. 
And not just any thought. It needs to come from the mind of Christ. Thought from the mind of Christ is brings peace. It brings uh, joy. Uh, it makes you uh, excited. It's not just an emotional excitement. It's this thing from down deep within that lets you know you got a hold of something that's bigger than what you are. So it starts with the thought from the mind of Christ. If we're going to develop faith, that thought then is passed to your imagination. And it's in your imagination that you develop that thought. You paint the picture. You put the arms and the legs on the picture. You put the color. Every detail that you can come up with. I've given you a testimony about my house and you know how the fact that I got a house way beyond anything I could have ever hoped for. And this is when I retired. But I, I, I had a thought from the mind, I know it was from the mind of Christ saying, it's time for you to move and it's time for you to move out into the, away from the city. You're going to be doing a lot of things online. You need some peace, you need quiet, you need to be able to sit on the back porch and not hear traffic. So we had a budget in mind and I began to visualize, I had that thought. The house we lived in, we were happy with, we'd lived in it over 20 years. But I got a thought and I began to develop it in my imagination. I saw the house. I wanted a house that was all stone. I didn't want any wood on the outside. There's certain things we wanted. Uh, you know, I'd always wanted a swimming pool. I enjoy swimming, I enjoy uh, the pool. They're just things that, that we put in there. So I painted that picture in my memory, in, in my imagination. Now listen, it didn't, it didn't just happen overnight. I developed it. I down to precision so that when we walked in to this house that you see behind me here, which is the study, which is exactly what I wanted, I knew that's it right there. Spirit of God said, that's it. Now I had to fit to the budget, right? So we had to, we had to go back and forth and whatever. You know how you, you, you buy something on a large purchase, you negotiate. So eventually, uh, we got the house. And here's, here's what happened. It went from my imagination. This is the same process when they said I had a heart problem. I cut, I cut a heart. I, I read a copy of a heart off the internet, put it up on the wall in front of me. I'd look at that heart that was healthy and everything. I'd say, that's my heart right there. That's, that's it. And I began to develop in my imagination. My thought was from the mind of Christ that he didn't, he wasn't going to have me pass. He wasn't, my time wasn't up yet. So I looked at that heart. I said, that's my heart right there. And I began to paint the, I began to see that one in here. Right? Now, once you paint it in your imagination as precisely as you can, it comes down into your heart and it's in your heart that it matures, it develops, it grows. This picture that you have now planted as precisely as you can, it begins to develop until there is a day, listen, 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 until there is a day that you know that you know that you know. Right? So I'm not hoping for it anymore. I wasn't hoping for a house anymore. I got the house. I got the car I wanted. I wanted a Corvette. I didn't have a big budget. I found, I found one. I wanted a black convertible. I've had a black coupe. This is my third, fourth, cor fourth Corvette. I had in mind exactly what I wanted, but I had a budget, tight budget. I found one, a 2005 Corvette black convertible with only 14,000 original miles on it. When I saw that car, he goes, that's it right there. So the price was right. I got the car. I, I've, I've worked this, uh, maybe working it is the wrong terminology. It has developed within me. Until now, I, I know, I believe, that faith can spring as you develop 
the mind of Christ and the thought that he gives, paint it clearly in your imagination. When it comes down into your heart, it develops. Now, this is going to take some time. I've never had it happen overnight or a week or a month. It's taken some time. It's first the, first the seed, then the blade, then the, the full corn in the ear, right? That's, the, that's how the kingdom works. Now, once this thing develops in your heart and you know that you know that you know, I got it, it's mine. I, I can see it. I got the health. I got the, the, the job, the business. I, I got that. Then you speak a creative word and you have received it, not still in the invisible. Everything you ever need has already been created in the invisible. Everything that every person will ever need. I got a revelation on that from Peter uh, when he says that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And that's for every person that's ever been on the planet. <clears throat> I looked around and I go, I don't see everything. You know, it's in, an, it's in an invisible dimension. He created it there. So you and the Father are working now together to move that from the invisible to the visible. So once you begin to speak what has grown to uh, abundance in your heart as, as a result of an imagination that has painted that picture as perfectly as it can from the thought that has entered into you from the mind of Christ, then faith has already received it. You got it. It's done deal. It's mine. It belongs to me. From the time the mouth speaks, what the heart has grown to maturity until it moves from the invisible to the visible, faith holds on to it. Are you with me? Faith holds on to it until it manifests in the visible, until it's fully accomplished. And it, it's, no, it's not hope. I'm not hoping. I'm not a hoping and a praying. You know, I, I used to hear that. Well, we're just hoping and praying. No, if you're hoping, you don't have faith. Faith has failed many people many times because we get the thought and immediately, immediately we jump from the thought to trying to receive it by faith. And you haven't gone, you haven't let it mature yet. You haven't painted the picture clear enough yet. With the Christ mind, with the Christ mind and with faith and with action, when those three things are in sync, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to, it will manifest. It will come. We would say in the quantum world that the quiff will pop. Now, you don't know how. You don't know when. See, but within the Father, all things are possible. Within the Father, every possible answer, every possible solution is available. And I think we play a big part into which answer, which solution actually begins to manifest. Look, here's how it looks a little bit. Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just drop down to verse 32. Here's how they developed it. And what shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Now, they just didn't walk out and enter in. They they developed the faith. They knew that they knew that when they walked in, they could defeat the enemy and possess the kingdom. They put, they subdued kingdoms, were righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, because became valiant in battle, turning to flight the enemies of the aliens, and women received their dead back to life again. 
Now, they weren't hoping for those things. This, these were not futuristic desires. They brought this into the realm of hope. They were all done by faith. None of it was done by human power. None of it was done by human resources. You cannot do these things in your own, in your own might. You have to get the thought, we can possess the kingdom. You have to get the thought, we can raise the dead again. And then it has to be developed in your imagination to where you actually see it. And when you see it, it's gonna, it, the, the picture you're going to get is going to have great detail. And if not, put the detail to it. Then it's going to mature in your heart till eventually you can speak it out your mouth. We're going to really deep dive this on journey in the Journey to Conference coming up in June, which by the way, you need to start thinking about. Enrollment will open in April. Malcolm, Steve, and I are going to do, we did Journey 1 in January. We're going to come back with Journey 2 in, in June uh, Zoom Conference. And more about that coming. I just wanted to throw that out there so those of you that think ahead, you could be ready. See, faith can see, faith can receive, but it's the Christ within that manifests it. It's in the timing of the Christ within. It's in the timing of the, the, when everything begins to line up, all the circumstances. Now see, the house that I got, I couldn't have it till the person put it up for sale. And I believe that the time that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was getting a house that I had drawn a picture of in my imagination, I, I had it. it was, I was just waiting now, uh, quantum, for the quiff to pop or for the solution to come. I didn't, I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, in Simonton or Fulcher or Katy or those of you that live in the area know what I'm talking about. I wasn't sure. I didn't know where it was coming. But I knew that what I had received by faith because I had developed it. And I was speaking, I tell them what, we're, we're, it's coming. It's gonna manifest, hold on. Honestly, it took almost two years. It took two years to develop that. Now watch what he says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three. Now I'm gonna get into some things here that are big. And I want you to catch this. So pay really close attention the next 10 minutes. Hebrews 11, three. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made out of the things which are visible. So this, remember Jesus said at the very start of the teaching in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, have the God kind of faith or grab onto the kind of faith that God has and you have it also. Well, this third verse of Hebrews chapter 11 tells you exactly the creative process that the Father went through. By faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So how did the Father do that? Now this is going to, this is going to mess you up. This is going to blow your mind a little bit. But the Father went through the same process that I just laid out for you that you come through as you develop faith. Let me show you. Let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a whole bunch of verses here where God said, God said, God said. Genesis chapter one and verse three, then God said, let there be light. Then in verse six, then God said, let there be uh, firmament. Verse nine, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered. Verse 11, then God said, in verse 14, then God said. Verse 20, then God said, let the waters abound. Verse 24, then God said, 
Let the earth, this is real important, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. And so everything God said, right? Are you with me? Now listen, he, he's working faith here. He is doing this by faith. You know how I know that? Let me read for you chapter 2. All right, you got, in, you got in mind everything God said. God said, God said, God said. By the, word, by the way, the word God there is the word Elohim, which is um, in plural form. I think the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were in council together speaking these things. All right? They were setting imagination. They were setting faith in motion. They were getting it by faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. How do I know that? How do I know that not, that was invisible? What he's saying there was, there was nothing visible at that, for, at that point. He said, he said, he said, he said. How do I know that? All right, chapter 2. Let me read first seven verses. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Right? Imagination painted the picture. Imagination's got it. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. The work is in the thought, the development of the imagination, the maturity within the heart, and speaking a creative word out of what has been created within the heart. Now watch. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested, he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. Thus the history of the heavens, verse 4, and the earth when they were created in that day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Now watch verse 5. This is where it starts to get really interesting. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground. Hold the phone. I thought back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8, created man in his image and likeness. So let them have dominion. Yet we get to chapter 2 and verse 5. There was no man to till the ground. Where, where was this guy from, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8 that you've heard so much about? Can I just suggest I cannot prove this by Scripture? This is, this is my thought. So you can reject it or accept it, but that was all happening within the mind of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They gathered together and they had the thought, let us do this. Let us do this. All right, now let's paint the picture. How do we want this man to look? We want him to have dominion. We want him to look like us. We want him in our image and in our likeness. But we get to chapter 2, verse 7, there was still no man to till the ground. So the man had not manifested yet. Verse 6, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole uh, of the ground. All right, now here comes man, verse 7. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So back to chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. How did he perform that? How did that come about? There was no man to till the ground till he stood this little mud man up and, form, and, and put the, the precise imaging that they had in chapter 1 to it. 
Then an image and likeness, verse 7, he blew his breath into that man, and that man became a living soul. How did God impart his image and likeness to that man? By blowing his breath into them. And man was formed in chapter 2, verse 7. Where before in chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8, it was just a thought within the imagination of the Father through the Son and the Spirit. The perichoretic circle had come into the secret place and counseled and, and determined and visualized and set it in motion and received it. So that what took place in chapter 2 was the manifestation in the visible of what the Father through the Son and the Spirit had created in the invisible and had grabbed hold of. Right? Now, the rest, the rest of this set, well, let me, let me just hit a couple more verses. <clears throat> chapter 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper compatible with him. Wait a minute. Chapter 1, he created them male and female. So now why is it in verse 18, there's no companion for this Adam guy? I thought, I thought he created male and female. Again, again, here's the manifestation of what they were visualizing and forming and creating within the Trinity in chapter 1. So you know the story took the rib out of man and, and, and Eve came. So now there's what he said in verse 1, male and female. Verse 20, And Adam gave names to all creatures, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper compatible with him. So this guy now from chapter 2, verse 7, that was in the image and likeness of God, the woman that came out of him was also in the image and likeness of God because it came out of Adam. Now you could, you could come through, uh, I should read one more verse, verse 22. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I don't want to confuse you too much. I'm, just plan I'm planting a seed here. I don't want to get too technical on Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. All I want you to see is that it says in... Hebrews 11.3, that God formed the world by faith, so that things which are seen were not made out of things that are seen, but out of things that are unseen. So the process that the Father set in motion in Genesis chapter 1 is the same process that you and I set in motion when we live by faith, not hope. The Father wasn't hoping and praying that man would manifest. When they spoke it, out of the counsel they had with one another, they were assured of what would take place. All right? Now, until you understand that your faith is simply trusting his faith, when he blew into man the breath of life, part of the impartation was the God kind of faith. Scripture says, to every man has been given the measure of faith. Where'd you get the measure of faith from? It came to you through the Father. He wanted to make sure that you had the seed to be able to function in his kind of faith. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, have the faith of God. Exercise what you already have. Now his faith, if he declares it done, if he says the, the deal is completed, then you know what? You can take it to the bank. You can take it to the bank. Now until you're at that place, you'll read Mark eleven twenty three or Mark chapter 9, verse 23, and you'll hope at one day best. See, you hope when you speak to the mountain. You're just hoping 
that you have enough faith. You're hoping that that mountain, that difficulty be removed. You're hoping that healing will come into your body. You're hoping that the money will show up by 10 o'clock in the morning. No, you're not in a dimension of faith. And many of us have fallen short on our faith because we haven't understood that the faith we're exercising is the faith he's imparted to us and the faith that we're living out of and like him, we create that which you see out of what you don't see. And it comes through the mind, through the imagination, into the heart, and you speak it as the Father did. Now, how long between Genesis chapter 1 verse and chapter 2? I have no idea. It might be seven days. Maybe it's literal seven, uh, seven years. Uh, it might have been 70,000. might have been 7 million. It doesn't matter. There is no time with the Father. It's only now. Between Genesis 1 and 2, what held him was faith. Because they'd already, they'd already declared it so. They'd already received it. They already thought it out. They imagined. They painted the picture. Let him have dominion. Let him have dominion. All right? Now, <laughs> if you're not sure that you have the ability to make it happen, then you need to, to back the process up and visualize. You need to back it up to, to clarify the thought that you think you have from the Father. And remembering all the time, it's His faith. It's His power that's working as you. You and the Father are in full union. You are joined together. You're joined together. All right? Now, I'm running, I'm running short here, you guys. I'm hoping I... I'm hoping. I, by faith, I'm going to get through all this teaching this morning. I think there's. I think it's fair to say there's two kinds of hope. There's. Uh, I'm sorry. There's two kinds of faith, not hope. hope. Just get hope out of the picture. We're we're not people that hope. We're people that receive by faith. I think there's a blind faith and there's an understanding faith. Now let me just define those. This this will help you a little bit more. A blind faith is that intuitive trust in a power that's greater than yourself. Right? That's an intuitive faith. It's a trust in a power that's greater than yourself. It's, it's, what, um, it's what Abraham demonstrated over in Romans chapter 4. Here's an intuitive faith in operation right here. Romans chapter 4, and let me just read two verses for time's sake. We'll just develop this a little bit. Verse 20. Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. See, when God promises you something, you, you don't have to waver. You can have faith for it. You don't have to hope. You don't have to put it off into the future. You can take it by faith. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21. And being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Do you see what Abraham was doing right there? He wasn't functioning on his faith. He had, he had trust in the one that promised it who was able to perform it. So when the, the mind that, when the thought comes from the mind of Christ, you can have confidence that the one who promised it, the one who has put the thought in your mind, is the one that's able to perform it. So you're free now to develop it in your imagination, let it mature within your heart. And being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for right standing or righteousness. How did, how, how did Abraham keep himself in right standing with God? He counted on God being able to do what God promised. 
That's faith. That's not putting it off in hope. He wasn't, he wasn't hoping that one day he'd be the father of many. He wasn't hoping that one day he would have a son. He wasn't hoping. He had received it by faith because God promised it and he developed it. All right. Are you still with me? Now, there's an understanding faith. Understanding faith is based on established, unchangeable principles. So we got one that is an intuitive that's based on uh, a power that's greater than ourselves being able to accomplish it. And another faith is when we see principles that have been established or unchangeable. Now I'm gonna, let me just show you what I mean. <clears throat> faith doesn't need facts to operate, that's for sure. It doesn't need evidence of the senses because it's born of intuition if we're, if we're coming through in, intuitive faith. It's born of intuition or the spirit of truth who lives and moves and is the very center of our being. So it comes from uh, that you know that you know, right? That's intuitive faith. I just know that I know that I know. And you've come through that developmental process. And it lives out like exactly like Abraham did in that fourth chapter and fifth chapter of Romans. Intuition. You know what intuition is? Let me just define it. I looked it up in the dictionary. It's understanding without conscious reasoning. Intuition, and ladies seem to have a lot more intuition than men. They just have this understanding, even though it may not be reasonable, or you have to reason it out, they got it, right? So it's it's understanding without conscious reasoning. It's, it's that channel that opens you to hearing from the Spirit. It's when the Spirit just begins to move, and you begin to see, and you begin to grasp things, Without it, it bypasses your mind. It bypasses your reasoning. This this blind faith is based on truth. See, truth always trumps facts. The fact was Abraham was an old man, way past uh, childbearing years, and so was Sarah. She, Sarah was way past. She should have never had any more children. See, truth is not limited to facts. Truth trumps fact. The fact may be, and I don't argue with facts. Facts may be you got zero in your bank account. But the truth is, God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus if we get this faith thing working right. Fact is you got a disease. You can't deny that. You can see it on the on the x-rays. You can you can uh, do the MRI reports. You can get the word of the doctor. It's, it's a fact. But the truth is, by his stripes you're healed. So intuitive faith is not based on fact, right? It's based on truth. And the truth is what the Father speaks to you. We're still on intuitive faith or blind faith. Blind faith is based on the Father speaking to you within that it will come into existence. This is, this is the thought from the mind of Christ, when it will come into existence. Now, understanding faith, the understanding kind of faith is based on a truth or a divine law of the spirit that is accepted and always consistent in operation under any condition, under any time element, under any visible circumstance. It's knowing it or not knowing it does not change it. All right, for, for example, 
God is love. That's an under, this takes an understanding. You got to understand that and then you got faith for it. See, it's not intuitive. It's a fact. It's a fact that doesn't change. doesn't matter. Anything else that goes out, God is love. Um, God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. That's an established fact. That's a done deal. It's over. So my faith is in, is in seeing that by revelation of what he's done. Grace covers all. Grace is greater than sin. Wherever sin abounded, grace super exceeded. That's a fact. So I don't, I don't have to get an intuitive thought or something from the mind of Christ to develop. I can just hang my head on those things and have faith for them because nothing changes it. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? All right, now let's see if we can square up here in my last uh, 10 minutes here. Let's see if we can square up the two types of faith with the definition that we have in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. So let me come back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, and I want you to, we're just going to bring those two together. We're going to, now we're going to uh, bring some unification for cooperation because both kinds of faith will be functioning in your life. There'll be some things, man, that you're reading the Bible, like what I was reading in verse 1, that it's the substance of things hoped for, and that hoped jumped off the page. And I saw immediately there's a difference between hope and hoped. One is future, one is past. Faith is what grabs onto what has already transpired within you. So you're not hoping for it anymore. Hoped is the, is the past tense of hope. And when I saw that, I got it. So that's how that was working in there. So let me just read this again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So it's a substance and an evidence. The problem is you don't see it. But once faith has a hold of it, and you're not hoping for it anymore, once faith has a hold of it, it's as good as yours. Now you're just waiting for uh, quantum, the quiff to pop, or you're waiting for the solution that lies within the Father that, you might, that you're not going to know where it's going to come from or how it's going to happen or the timing of it. You just know that it will. And it's the, it's the faith that has already received it, not hoping for it, received it, that holds you steady from the time you have it in the unseen till the evidence in the seen happens. And Paul said, things you see you don't need faith for. They're already there. So once it shows, you're no longer in that place of faith. Bringing into visibility uh, uh, is what we use our faith to hold on for. And you don't waver, you don't doubt. Abraham did not waver at the promises of God, but figured that the guy that promised it was big enough and strong enough and powerful enough to bring it to pass. So we, we take what are called the promises of God, right? This is understanding faith. We take what are called the promises of God and call them unchangeable truths, right? They're, under any circumstances, the promises of God were made to you. They didn't rise out of your intuition. Your intuition is what comes by revelation or you just know that you know what God is speaking to you. But that's intuitive faith. But understanding faith is when you see a promise in the book, part of our inheritance, you can immediately grab onto it. Are, are, are you with me? If you see it in the Bible or if the Spirit speaks to you, 
Those truths cannot be altered. Those truths cannot be altered. Webster's defines a promise like this. See, and I, and I want you to understand that when you take a promise by faith, it's different than taking a, a planted thought that comes from the mind of Christ that needs to come to imagination, into the heart, out the mouth, speaking creative words. You can immediate, when you see a promise, you can hang your hat on it. Now, a promise is something sent. This is what Webster says. A promise is something sent beforehand to indicate that something unseen is at hand. Here, This is what promise is. A promise is something sent beforehand to indicate that something unseen is at hand. So we take this promise that he gives to us. We can't see it yet. But I count it done. I count it finished. I count it over. And I let my faith grow in that. I, I move that into my heart. See, I don't have to paint the imagination on a promise that he's given to me. I don't have to paint the picture. I paint the picture of the thought that he gives to me that I need to develop. But the promise has already fully developed. It belongs to you. So you need to let that develop in your heart until you know that you know that you know by his stripes you're healed. See, you can't take it from, just take it off the page and say, oh, bless God, I got faith for that. No, you don't. You're hoping. You need to let it grow. Jesus recognized the unchangeable truths that await your demand. Everything that has been created and unseen awaits your demand to it. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 24, he said, you have not because you ask not. He said, go ahead and ask. He said, I want your joy to be full. So go ahead and ask what it is that you desire. And if it's, if it's in line with the nature of the Father, with the plan of the Father, you see it printed out, you know what? It belongs to you. It's part of your inheritance. I, do, I didn't have to have faith when my mom and dad passed. They left a, a small inheritance to my brother and I. I didn't have to have faith for that, right? Because it was already written down. I just saw it. And I knew it's going to take lawyers some time to get this, all this sorted through. I just knew that it was it's coming at some point. I just waited on it. See, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't have. All I did was put a demand on it called lawyer, or is it ready to checks to be issued, right? Just put a demand. So when, when you see something from the word, you need to put a demand on it. And Jesus said, you have not because you don't ask. He said, I want you to ask so that your joy can be full. Now, keep this in mind. I got to start laying in this bus. I hope that I've made sense this morning. I've covered so much ground. I should have probably made this into about a three-part series. More coming, believe me. Asking springs from a desire to possess something good. So let me ask you today, what is it good that you would like to possess? What is the desire of your heart? See, that desire that's in your heart came, came through your mind, and you should have drawn a picture on it. You should, you should let your imagination precisely define it. And you know what that really is? You know what that desire in your heart is? It's God tapping at the door of your consciousness with the infinite supply. He's saying, make a demand on it. See, at some point you speak it. You put a demand on it. It grows in your heart, and that's a form of demand because you're letting it mature. 
a supply that remains remains useless until there's a demand on it. Everything you need is created in the kingdom. It's created in the unseen. The kingdom is within you. Everything you need is within you. Everything pertaining to life, godliness, that covers the street, right? We've gone through that before. All things are already there. So it's a matter now of you getting your mind in synchronization, the mind of Christ, with the Father's plan and the Father's will. See it like this. A desire in your heart that is not opposed to the nature of the Father, it's, it's not opposed to anything the Father has revealed to you. If it's not opposed to that, it's a promise from God that is sure. And it's given to you beforehand that it's yours already in the limitless realm of supply in the unseen. It's there. It's there. It's there. What you want is there for your receiving by faith. Now you're going to have to move out of that hope dimension. I hope right now, I hope that you have stopped hoping and you've seen the difference between hope and faith. Faith's now hope's future. You can't receive future by faith. Faith brings it into now. Hope, now there's nothing wrong with hoping for things. There's some things I hope for. I haven't put put it into to faith yet. I'm hoping for it. You know? But after a while, I, I learned, here's something I picked up. <clears throat> Jesus used faith, I think, now don't quote me this, I think it's about 29 times in the Gospels. He used the word hope one time. Because Jesus lived by faith. The only verse he used hope in, I, I don't remember the address, of studying it this week for the journey conference coming up. He said, if you lend to somebody and hope for it to be given back, you're looking for the future to get it back again, may, may be disappointed. That's the only time he used the word hope that is recorded in scripture, but he used faith over and over and over and over again. He never talked about his faith. Whenever Jesus talked about faith, it was for somebody else because he didn't have to talk about it for himself. He didn't have to say, I'm a man of great faith. I have all this faith work. He knew that he knew that he knew that he knew. Right? So knowing the truth of limitless supply and that it always precedes demand. The supply is there, believe me. The demand needs to be made. Jesus said, you don't have it because you don't ask for it. It's there, but you have to get it by faith. You have to pull from the hope dimension into faith. What is it? Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So never lose sight that the desire in your heart is the thing itself in its infancy state of being. Oh dear Jesus, you need to listen to this teaching again. If the good were not always yours in the invisible realm of supply, you couldn't possibly desire it. <laughs> reason you desire it is because it's out there if it's not contrary to the nature of God or what he has spoken to you. So stop hoping that one day you're going to get it. Stop hoping that one day that bank account won't be zero and take hold of it. Receive it by faith and let it grow within you until you can speak with the same power that Jesus spoke in Genesis chapter 1 when he and the Son and the Holy Spirit gathered together and said, let's, let's, let's make the earth look like this. Let's put the animals on there and the trees and the man. Then in verse 2, it happened. Or chapter 2, it happened, right? 
So that's the way we function this. All right. That's a lot of ground, brother. That's a lot of territory. A lot of revelation there, if you can grab onto it. All right. That's it for today. Wednesday night, don't forget, we're still in the Religion Busters. If you don't have a book, you're not part of the Don Keithley Ministry page on Facebook, get a book off Amazon. Come over there. Some good things are transpiring as we study the book Religion Busters. Religion Busters on Amazon. And then show up with us on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Central, right there on the Don Keithley Ministry page. You don't have to check a link. You don't have to go to YouTube. You just go to the Don Keithley ministry page and two, three minutes before six o'clock, there I'll be. And we'll take off and go for 45 minutes. We try to hold to 45 minutes. Thank you for being with me this morning. Thank you for all your uh, uh, prayers and encouragement. I love this journey that we're on together and it is togetherness on the journey of discovery. And some of the things we talked about this morning are great discoveries. See you next Sunday morning, same time, 10 a.m. Central, right here at the Digital Cathedral. Have a good week. Have a good week. And remember, each day when you get up, it's the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. If this teaching resonates with you and you would like to partner with us in our expanding efforts to take this message of grace and union around the world, you may make a donation at donkeithley.com. We thank you for your continued support and encouragement.